Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. Let's, uh, let's jump into this as we talk about uh, stronger. I'm going to recap a little bit from last week. There's some things we want to go over. And so, you ready? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your anointing that breaks the yokes off our life. Father, our hearts are receptive tonight. And we believe we receive good things from you, that you can help us, that you can give insight, that we can see some things that we know even further. And Father, we can learn new things. And whether we plant or whether we water, Father, you give the increase and we give you all the praise for that. So we ask that tonight you get honor for yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Ephesians 6.10 has been the verse we've been talking about. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So we've been talking about strong in the Lord. And last week we began to talk about dress for success. We began to talk about the armor of God. Now, I wasn't going to go the armor of God, but I realized we don't hear much teaching about the armor of God now, and we need to. Because if it's in there and the Bible says we need this and this is, this is how to, to arm ourselves, I think it's important. So let's just read a little bit in Ephesians here. Don't you appreciate our tech team? You know, I, just, I was thinking about these guys. And, and uh, I mean, someone's got to put those scriptures up there. And, and guys, I might jump a little bit on you tonight. So sometimes I'm doing, they're scrambling to find a verse. But they do a good job. And I appreciate We've got staff tech team and we've got a volunteer tech team. And they're excellent. Give them a hand clap because I, I appreciate what they do. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And so Paul is writing to the church of Ephesians. He's already been talking to them. It's one of the greatest books uh, in terms of what they call the Pauline revelation, the revelation he had of what Jesus has done for us and who we are positionally. It's a great book. Ephesians is one of those books. It's like a lot of those books. You can just read it over and over and over again and just and glean so much out of it. And so in Ephesians, he's talking and he's concluding this to the Ephesian church. And he's talking to them about there are schemes in, in, of the enemy that you have to be prepared for. Now, our veterans are here, and I can tell you, those that saw action, if they know they're going into enemy territory, they, they armor up. You put on the appropriate gear if you know you're going into enemy territory. Because we live in a world that maybe you don't think, well, you know, we live in America, and it's wonderful. We're still in a spiritually dark environment, and there's still a lot of stuff going on. And so we still need to be, if it says put on the whole armor of God, I want everything from God he's got if it's going to help me stand against anything that the enemy's doing. And, and it doesn't say be afraid of the enemy. It doesn't say he's going to defeat you. It just says put on the armor of God that you can stop his schemes. He's not going to dominate you, but he has schemes. And he has plans and he has things he's trying to do. But God's armor can stop him. And so understanding that you don't live in a neutral zone, you say, well, you know, I live in a nice neighborhood and, you know, there's nothing that goes on in my neighborhood. Well, maybe not, but in the spiritual neighborhood that you're living in, it ain't all nice. And so we have to recognize that and understand that. 
Sometimes we see oppression and we see junk that's going on. We have to recognize where that's coming from. Now, he also said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Please get a hold of that. That our problem is not with people. Yes, we deal with people, but people are the, what's behind the people are our problem. And so we're constantly trying to lash out at people. Then we're fighting each other and we're missing the fact that there are demonic forces at work. You say, well, Alan, I don't believe in the devil and I don't believe in demonic and spiritual. Where in the world do you think all the evil comes from? I mean, it doesn't come from God. The Bible said every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. He's not the one causing the evil. And if you understand that there is an enemy and it is Satan and he's still alive and whether you believe in him or not, he's still active and he's still working. You don't have to be afraid of him. Jesus thoroughly defeated him and thoroughly defeated him for us. But we also not, don't need to be unaware as he's out there and he has schemes and he's able to, to move on people. When someone steps into a, an elementary school and shoots 19 kids, you think that's God? That's not God. That's the devil. He comes to steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So real way to, real simple way to figure this out is bad stuff, devil. Good stuff, God. Real simple. That's simple theology. But that's how you figure that out. And so as you're, as you're working through that, so he says, put on the whole armor of God. And then he, and then he begins to talk about, uh, we talked last week about truth. He said, gird yourself with truth. So he said, stand, Ephesians 6, 14. Stand therefore, having your waist with truth, girded your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Don't, don't get real caught up in where this thing, the proximity is, like I'm going to put the belt of truth on. And the, just understand that actually what Paul was talking about was there was a, a belt that a Roman soldier would wear and, and almost all the armor hinged off of it. The, the breastplate would rest on it and the, the sword would rest on it. So it became like, it's like your core. And it, it, it's key. Truth is key. God's word is truth. And so that becomes the basis for what we resist in because we live in a, in a day, guys, where there's a lot of deception. And so we have to have truth to combat the deception. And the truth is Jesus said this in John 17, 17. Again, I'm recapping. If you want more detail on this, you can get this from last week. John 17, 17, he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now, if, if you remember some of the first times that we started this series, we talked about where Jesus had an encounter with Satan and, and Satan was tempting him and Jesus resisted him. Anybody remember how he resisted him? He would say, what? It is written. It is written. So Satan would say, well, do this. And he would say, nope, it's written. Satan would say, well, you need to jump off the temple. And he's like, no, it, it's written. Well, you need to turn these stones into bread. It's written. So every time that Jesus encountered the enemy, he resisted him with, it is written. Now, I know a lot of times people are thinking, well, you know, Alan, I've never seen, you know, the devil show up to me. And by the way, he, he, does, he does not look like the Underwood ham devil. He does not have horns and a pitchfork and with a tail. And, and that's, that's not, in fact, the Bible said he appears as an angel of light. And, and so you say a lot of times when we're talking about resisting him with, with the truth of God's word, here's guys where, we, where, where the fight is. It's in our thoughts. That's where the fight is. You have thoughts and you have to be able to resist those thoughts with the truth of God's word. 
We used this example last week, but it makes sense. You're driving, you're driving, you're driving over a bridge. Maybe you're going over the Mississippi River, and the thought comes, drive off this bridge. Well, you know to resist that thought, that's a stupid thought. But here's another thought. You can just be going along, and, and the thought will come, God doesn't really care about you. God doesn't really love you. He loves other people. He doesn't love you. Now, that's a thought we have to resist. That's a thought you, you, you better have an it is written for that thought. And they said, no, I believe the love that God has for me. You, scripture said, no, that's a lie. See, you can't take that thought and begin to think it. And then you begin to think it. And if you're not careful, you begin to talk it. Now, I, I don't know. I don't know if God loves me. I just, I just don't feel, I don't feel like God's close to me. I don't feel like, I, I, I just don't feel like God cares. And I just don't feel like God's there. Listen, you have to resist those thoughts. You don't want to entertain those thoughts. You want to kick back on those. And you need to kick back on those with what? God's truth. So it's truth that overcomes that. See, the truth is, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for you all, for us all, how will he not with him also freely give us all things? And so we kick, you got to have truth. This is one reason I'm saying, read the scriptures. Because with the scriptures, now you begin to have something in you that you can use to combat those lies. You're worthless. You're nobody. That's a lie. You're highly valuable. A huge price was paid for you. We just sang it tonight. I am who he says I am. We need to say that. Not just sing it on Wednesday. It's great. It's a great song. But tomorrow morning, you still are what he says you are. And Friday night, you still are what he says you are. And so the idea is you begin to take that, put it into your life, and truth is able to help you resist. So we talked about putting on truth. We also talked about the response to God's word. Guys, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to skip that part, Acts 17, to our tech team. I'm going to skip Acts 17. Um, I'm just going to highlight it. We talked about the, 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 the people in Berea. We talked last week about our response to truth. There was a group in Berea that, that when Paul went there and preached, he said the Jews in that synagogue, they received the word. They were open-minded. They received the word. In other words, they were very interested in hearing what Paul had to say. They received it, and, and then when they received it, they begin to search the scriptures daily to see if it was true or not. So it's not just what Paul said. They begin to back it up with scriptures. That is so smart. That is such a smart thing to do. And as you begin to read your Bible more and more, you begin to have the ability to check this and, and back that up. And you say, well... I don't know much. I don't know the Bible. Well, you've got people. That's, what, that's one of the values of church is you get to know people around you who maybe are a little bit further than you are who can help you, who can say, no, 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 you, th this is truth and, and, and that. And so you're, you're able to help folks. <laughs> I was in church years ago. I was working with the youth at Lakewood. And we were sitting there, uh, and I, I was sitting with some of the other youth helpers. And one of the speakers just said, he said, you know what? He said, and you don't need to marry an unbeliever. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And he was talking to believers, telling believers, if you're a believer, don't get married to an unbeliever. I know I'm not going to get too many amens on that, but this is scripture. He <laughs> says, don't get married to an unbeliever. And so he was, he was going on about that. And I just turned over and nudged the girl beside me. I said, uh, you wouldn't do that, would you? <laughs> and then I went back to listening. She turned about, she blanched. Color left her face. She turned to me, she poked me, she said, why did you say that? <laughs> I said, I don't know, this said it. 
She came back to me a few weeks later. She said, I, I can't believe you said that. She said, I'm engaged to a guy. See, he doesn't know the Lord at all. And uh, man, when you said that, it just, it went all over me. She said, I broke it off. I said, you're a brave girl. I said, you're a smart girl too. I said, he said, well, well, why can't I marry an unbeliever? You're unequally yoked. And if you're unequally yoked, it's going to be a problem. If, while you're, while you're not, before you're married, it's good to find someone who believes in the Lord like you believe in the Lord. Because then you've got someone to go to when both of you mess up. Joy and I had this. This had nothing to do with my message, but we're on it, so here we are. <laughs> when Joy and I got married, we, we, she loved the Lord and I loved the Lord. And we said a rope of three strands, Ecclesiastes, a rope of, th of three strands is not quickly torn apart. And so what, what happened was sometimes her rope frayed and my rope frayed, but there was one rope that never frayed. And as we held on to him, he helped us come together. Does that make sense? Listen, how many of you know, don't, and just look straight ahead, marriage, <laughs> marriage is challenging enough without trying to drag someone in who does not believe like you do. Amen. And you need somebody, oh, never mind. This is, <laughs> the truth will set you free. <laughs> the truth. <laughs> The truth doesn't always make you feel good, but the, but the truth will make you free. How you receive the truth is important. And I want to take just a little time to, to, to contrast something for you. I want to contrast how you receive truth. And um, this is interesting. There was a, I think sometimes people think when Jesus ever went to a town that everyone was amazed and everyone loved Jesus and everyone just like, oh, and they worship him. Do you realize Jesus got a lot of opposition and a lot of flack? And he goes into his hometown. I want you to see what happens when Jesus goes in. I want you to see the contrast here. And I got a point where we're going. Then he, Jesus, went out from there and came to his own country. His disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, brother James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could there do no mighty work there, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about in the villages in a circuit teaching. I want you to hear how they, how they saw Jesus. When Jesus came into his town, they had questions. So Jesus, he's in his hometown. He grew up with these people. And, and, but they're questioning. They're skeptical. They got their, you can see them with their arms crossed going, well, where do you get this wisdom? And, you know, and, and where do you get this stuff? And uh, where are the, the mighty works? You know, he's doing mighty works. Where are the mighty you can, there's a skepticism there. There's a questioning there. And because of the questioning there, they, they related to Jesus only as a carpenter. Now, we look back on that and said, no. How could someone, Jesus didn't walk around with a halo. He wasn't glowing when he walked around. 
And so they're looking at him going, no, he's the carpenter. His brothers and sisters are here with us. We know him. And they were skeptical and they were questioning and they were offended because Jesus is now giving them truth. And they're like, well, who is this? And why is he doing this? And, and Jesus said, there's no honor here. And there's a lot of unbelief here. And he couldn't do. Now, I, I, I read the scriptures. It's a sign. I've looked it up in other, other translations. He could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. You say, well, hey, Jesus did everything. He was limited by their unbelief. They were offended. They had questions. They were limited. He, he was limited. You say, well, what's that got to do with anything? It has a lot to do with now how we receive his word. If you read the Bible and you're like, well, I don't know about that, and I really don't know about that, and, you know, you know, Alan said that, but I don't, I don't know about that. If, 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 you, if that's your attitude, what will happen is you won't get much. You'll limit God's ability to do something good in your life. You say, well, you can limit God? Mm-hmm. You can limit God. And you can limit his ability to do something in your life. Now, I want to give you another thing. Jesus crosses the lake, same proximity, same geographical area, same Jewish people. And that's not his own hometown. But let's look in, in Mark 6. I want to show you the contrast here. When they crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him, ran throughout that whole surrounding region, and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he entered, into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched him were made well. Wait a minute. He just went, he was just across the lake in his hometown with their, with their arms crossed, questioning him, skeptical of him, doubting him, no honor to him, and nothing much happened. And he goes across the lake and they recognized him. They're like, that's the healer, not the carpenter, the healer. And the Bible said they ran throughout that whole region. I mean, you know, when you're excited, you're moving. There was some excitement there. They're like, huh, that's the healer. They begin to run and drag sick people out into the streets. And then they were honoring of Jesus. They said, like, Jesus, we don't want any special treatment. Let's let us come by, Lord, and, and just, we'll just touch the hem of your garment. Do you realize what kind of miracles they were having? You got sick people laying all out in the streets. They're dragging them out there. We're dragging mama. Mama said, don't get me out of bed. No, mama, we're dragging you out here in the street. Mama, just, just lay right there. Why am I laying there? Don't worry about it, mama. Jesus is going to come by. When he comes by, just touch his clothes and you're going to be healed. Like, mama, hush. Just when Jesus comes by, just touch him and he's going to be healed. And, and, and what happened? They said, and miracles popping, boom, 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 boom. What happened? It was how they received him. You say, well, what's that? Well, that's a great story. I don't know what's that got to do with, with us. Everything. Everything. Now, I realize I'm talking to Wednesday night and people who are watching on Wednesday night. Y'all are special. You're hungry enough to come on Wednesday night. There's got to be in us, not the arms crossed. Well, I don't know about that. And I don't know. There needs to be some excitement when we, when we read God's word and God's word says, you've been made free from sin. You are a new creation. God has done wonderful things in you. He's going to continue to do one. We don't need to go. I don't know. I don't, we need to go. Yay. Amen. Yay. Amen. I'm excited about that. 
I'm excited that it says if I'll honor God, he'll honor me. Yeah, I'm excited about it. He says by his stripes I'm healed. I'm, whatever you get excited about, you're going to get in your life because you get excited about what he's saying. Man, we got to stop this. Well, you know, I, I, hope, I, hope it's, I hope it's good. You're going to get the same thing they got in his hometown. Very little. But it doesn't have to be that way. And sometimes we just have to stir ourselves up and go, I'm going to get something. I don't care if anybody else gets something. I'm going I'm to get something. I mean, there were some people who didn't drag mama out in the street. Mama didn't get anything. But there are, there are people who are like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, there's answers here. Oh, 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 God can do something here. God can do something in my family. God can do something for my lost loved ones. God can do something in my body. God can do something in our finances. God can do something in our life. He can help us in our marriage. God can do something here. And when you begin to believe that, you begin to get excited. And when you begin to get excited, you're on your way. Because you're not just, uh, uh, you're like, Lord, bring it. I'm ready. I'm excited. If, you, if you're not excited, then you need to ask the Lord, Lord, I'm going to stir myself up. I'm going to stir myself up. You ought, to be, you ought to be excited enough to read one chapter. It's truth night tonight. It's truth night. You know, if, if, if I came to you and said, here's the deal. Um, if, if you'll read uh, Project 345, one chapter, you know, in New Testament, just one chapter, for the rest of the year, at the end of the year, I'll give you 10 grand. If you don't, you don't miss, I'll give you 10 grand. Anybody in? <laughs> how, how do you know that would change things for you? You're thinking, 10 grand, yeah, all right. So you get up and you go on about your day, all of a sudden you went, whoa, whoa. I didn't read my project 345. I need to read my project for the because I want the 10 grand. Well, that's a hypothetical situation. I'm not giving anybody 10 grand. I'll give you more than 10 grand. It won't come from me. You start putting God's word in your heart and some of the freedom that you need and the answers that you need and the help that you need and the wisdom that you need is going to be there. It's worth more than 10 grand. It is. We're pitching them and catching them tonight, are we? <laughs> but our response to God's word has got to be different. We can't act like, oh. <sighs> I've got to read Project 345. Did you read it, honey? No, I didn't read it today. Did you read it? No. Uh, never mind. <laughs> Let's watch YouTube clips of kittens. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier. It's easier. <laughs> Ooh, I need to get out of here, boys. I'm, I'm a... You say, well, Alan, what's this got to do with being strong in the Lord? Being strong in the Lord is something that's intentional. You know, very few of you got here by accident tonight. Maybe somebody drug you. Okay, I got it. Maybe someone conned you into coming or they leveraged you into coming. I get it. But most of you just intentionally made a decision, I'm going to come to church. That was an intentional decision. It's a good one. Maybe you made the intentional decision you're going to watch. That's a good one. 
But here's what I'm saying. We need to be intentional about every other area. I'm not just going to come to church. I'm going to honor God with my life. I'm going to read his word. I'm going to put his word in my heart. Because there's so much junk and deception going on all around me. I need truth. And I need the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to me. And I need to get stronger. Because I'm not done with my life yet. And I want to make my life count for God. I, I want to I change things. I want to see change. I want to see. The, you have to be intentional about that. But you can be intentional and things can change. And I'm, this is not, well, Alan, you can say that because you're a preacher. No, I, I wasn't a preacher for the first 15 years of my, my career out of college. I was not a preacher. I was a sales rep. And I lived in the day, day to day and I'd get up on, I'd go to church on Wednesday and I'd get up on Thursday and I've got work to do and I understand that. And, but what I'm saying is the context may be different, but the principles are still the same. You have to be intentional, but you can do this and you can get strong. I'm not saying you have to start. Don't sit down and go, I'm, tomorrow I'm reading the entire New Testament. Forget that. Take a chapter. Read a chapter. Yes. Discipline yourself. Don't wait till January. Start in December or start now and just go ahead and make a, make a, a November resolution. Don't wait for the new year. Just start now. Say, I'm going to do it. Say, why are you on this tonight? Because I really feel the Lord is trying to help us get stronger. And we're not going to get stronger by accident. Amen. We get stronger on purpose. And the, and, the purpose and the purpose is, and, and, and man, I can, I can preach to you, I can encourage you, I can goad you, I can challenge you, but it's really you. You're the one. And I'm here, and man, I'll cheer you on, and I'll back you up, and I believe you can do it. I believe there's not a soul in here that can't make a difference and have their life absolutely changed, but it's, you're going to have to make that distinction. And you're going to have to you know, unfold your arms and going to go, I don't care if anybody else believes this or not. I'm going to believe it. He is, what, what is he to you? He is my savior. He is my shepherd. He's the one that restores my soul. He's the one that can get me off all these meds that have been dragging me down. He's the one that can do things in my life. He can help me. Drag mama in the street, people. We're going to have Jesus. We're going to have Jesus do something in our life. And there's no need to wait till the beginning of the year. And there's no need to wait for someday. Just go ahead and start now. And when you, just, when you walk out in the car, go, Lord, I'm excited about you. And I'm excited about what you can do in my life. And I'm excited about what my future looks like in you. Because in you, my future looks very, very bright. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for this time. And thank you for your goodness to us. And thank you for the potential and the, and the capacity for change and for better days ahead. For every individual listening to me, for every individual here. So, Father, we give you all the praise for that. Lord, we're excited about what you are doing in our church, in our life, in our homes, in our families. We're excited about you because we know you're good and your mercy endures forever. And you help us. And by your grace, we're going to get to where we need to be. So we thank you for that. Said your bowed knives are closed. If you came this evening and said, Alan, I don't even have a relationship with the Lord. I've never made him the Lord of my life, but I want to. Well, this is your night. Or you say, well, you know what, I, I think I did that in the past, or I'm just not sure, or I've gotten away from him, or we're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come to the front, but this prayer is for you. If you're watching online, this prayer is for you. We're going to say it, but heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one looking around, but that's you I'm talking to, and you say, man, I want in on this prayer. Would you pray for me? Quick, just slip your hand up. Cross this auditorium. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for your courage. Yeah, I got you. In the back. Wonderful. Thanks. Anybody else? Great. 
Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're going to pray. You didn't lift your hand. Obviously, you're online. I can't see you, but we're going to pray this prayer. You pray it with us. If you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly. If you're here, pray this together with us. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Heads are still bowed, eyes are closed. Father, thank you. Thank you for the eternal value of making Jesus Lord or coming back to him. Thank you, Father, that has such benefit now and in eternity. And we're grateful that those decisions have been made tonight here and online. Lord, we're grateful for that. We're thankful. And Father, for those of us who would know you, who love you, who are walking with you, thank you we can level up. Thank you it can be a different year coming up. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.